Hello, everybody, and welcome to This Week in X, presented by Crushing Comics. We are here to talk about this week two of the three X-Men issues that were out this week on the 21st of April, 2021. That would be X-Force number 19 and Sword number 5. We are actually going to devote a whole separate episode to our Way of X discussion because it is going to be intense and probably intensely long. So let's move forward with this discussion and let's remind you all that every discussion here on This Week in X comes with an ample spoiler warning. We are going to be talking about these issues and the things that happen in them, but also things happening elsewhere in the Marvel Universe elsewhere in Marvel's history. So you are going to get spoiled. That's the kind of talk we're having. And you have now been warned. Let's start out with some introductory <laughs> questions. Uh, starting with Tyler. Tyler, do you have a time that you have been very embarrassed about something? What what happened to embarrass you so much? <laughs> How many times... How many times do I have to... <laughs> how many stories can I tell? The more public, the better. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I, I remember one very distinctively because um, it was it was quite comical, I think, uh, in retrospect. <laughs> um, I was 13 years old, and I remember I was like participating in uh, extracurriculum uh, activities, and we were supposed to move from one location to the to the next location, and everyone was like just running, you know. And I was running, 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 and then I mm -hmm. slipped on a pool of water, and I not only just slipped, I slipped, fell, and like twirled for like <laughs> I don't know how many rounds, and I was like so freaking <laughs> embarrassed, uh, and, and uh, of course my shorts were like wet because I sleep on a pool of water and I was like oh my god <laughs> but you know I mean as it happens it's extracurricular activities I have to just you know suck it up and 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 carry on with whatever I was doing and um yeah but you know as um you know uh as a very embarrassing type of situation that really stuck in my mind even after all these years Hmm. I guess you want to make it when you have to do all of that because you have the pants on. It's the I weirdest stuff that, and t-shirt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the yeah. weirdest stuff that stays with us for years. You just wake up in the middle of the night, like, oh my god, why did I do that? Yeah. Well, Harry, uh, we'll, we'll we'll sling you something slightly more positive today, rather than than although who knows what direction you'll take it. Uh, do you have something that you are so in, you have so ingrained or you're so expert in that you feel like you could just easily teach someone else to be good at that thing? Yeah, chopping up bodies. No, I'm kidding. Um, basically, <laughs> uh, here on I Harry's really horror <laughs> corner of the question comics website. Oh, I can share some notes with you. Talk all right. See, all right. We yeah. got a spinoff. I uh, feel like no, in so real life, is... I retell Harry stories from this so often. I'm like, so this means Harry told this story about a baby stroller in the middle of an abandoned hotel. Anyway, <laughs> you'd be surprised how often people tell me that. Um, no, uh, I'm really, I really like clementine oranges. Uh, I'm very, very into them, and I've gotten very good at peeling them quickly and getting sh making sure all the skin is off and all like the tangential pieces are off. I know this is the most boring story I could possibly give, but I love them so much and I have actually helped friends make them better from when we're having dinner parties or get-togethers and the like. 
Uh, this is my opportunity to talk about Clementines for a few minutes. I had like 10 today. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so are you one of these people that does like the perfect spiral? Like it's got to come off all in one or are you just like brutal? Like, oh, anything it takes. <laughs> well, it depends on how ripe it is. Cause that depend that, that dictates how, like how connected to the peel that the skin is, which can damage <clears throat> it if you're not delicate. So you really have to figure out what you're working with and then adjust your technique. Uh, I'm not kidding about this, <laughs> but I have done no, no, a perfect spiral. Yeah. So listeners, viewers, whoever you are, when we get to 2000 subscriber on like the Peter's channel, we're going to have a bonus episode where Harry kills us. Yeah, peel off. Or Harry teaches us Just how to peel out oranges. A, a sack of clementines. <laughs> yes. Just... Like, you know, that's what we're going to do. You know, people who do giveaways and stuff, we're going to yeah. do a bonus clementine yeah. episode. And Father get- Tangerine has come to help us. Harry, <laughs> slowly, wordlessly, sensuously <laughs> peeling. I was about to say that if yeah, we get to 3,000, Harry will, be wet, will have a special attire when he feels Clementine. <laughs> yeah. And then with each peeling, he also peels parts of his clothes. Okay, this is getting Oh, we're going to have so much fun at 2,000. <laughs> <laughs> I have to. Why am I always the one that has to reel the other three people in? I never have to get reeled in. This is true. Okay. Uh, Hi, Freya. Hi. (laughs) I'm wondering from you is there a tradition? It could be a family tradition, a cultural tradition, or a regional tradition that for you it's just never really clicked or you just don't really like get it or enjoy it? What would that be? I mean, entire. country of Bangladesh, that's why I left. Um, But otherwise, I would say though, the one that really grinds me still to this day, and I don't know whether people do this anymore, because, you know, it's been a long time since I was in Bangladesh, or I went to a wedding in Bangladesh. But back there, it's like, uh, after the wedding, it's always this whole thing where the, the, the bride is crying her eyes out as if she's being taken away. Like, this is not something new starting in life as if she's being just you know it's and then the whole family would start crying and it just like this <laughs> nonsensical tradition and then like at every wedding like every bride every wedding every bride that is why i have been to has done this and then then they're taken away and then they get in the car and then they, they go to the in-laws house and then uh, seven days later, they return to their parents' house. It's a it's a wild. It's nonsense. It's disgusting. It's wow. just I don't well, know. I don't even know what that is. But I know that culturally there is yeah. a lot of like yeah. layers because, to yeah. it. Yeah, because because it's it's very is is very Asian. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, is is Bangladesh, uh, Bang, uh, what's that? Bang, Bangladesh. Bangladeshi. Yeah, yeah, but it's also is there is also. <clears throat> Um, a sort of similar situation uh, with some Chinese dialect groups. So different oh. Chinese dialect groups have different traditions and they right. do things very, very differently. Right. So um, yeah, I mean, not the crying part, but the, the visiting back parents part. Right, but the thing is, it's the crying part that always gets to yeah. me. And I think subconsciously because of that, I am now anti-marriage, anti-relationship, anti-everything. Like, because you, know, you don't cry? No, because I associate all of that with like 
crying oh. and tears. Yeah, if you grow up your whole life like hearing about and going to weddings and like every wedding ends with <laughs> this crying. awful <laughs> sobbing, <laughs> like don't take me away moment. It's like that. This that's yeah. great. You should and, do it. Yeah. And then and then the men are not doing it. So it's just the brides are always doing it. What does so the groom woman, do while when, the brides are like pe- crying their eyes out? The groom is just like, what, what is Well, that? I'll have to go back and find some of the wedding videos of my relatives <laughs> and stuff. And then I'll report back because it's just <laughs> nonsense. Yeah. But yeah, I'll take Crucible over that. For sword number five, let's get started as we always do with our initial reactions to the issue, starting with Tyler. Um, I feel like we do not have enough um, pure sword um, stories so far. Like every issues was like mixed up with some things which, you know, kind of like non-sword related, but because it's space, opera, cosmic related, you know, um, Ewin has to deal with it. So, um, I, I mean, even even in this issue, I think we have to deal with like Stark War and the aftermath of King in Black. So even I mean, even though I really really enjoyed this issue, I want more like pure sort stuff, like pure Krakoan mutant stuff, mutant in space stuff, Mysterium, <coughs> whatever you know. Um, the the art by Skitty is is excellent as usual, and the colors are actually quite good. Um, I give it a three point eight sleazy blonde out of five. <laughs> Harry ah great issue I, I'm sorry this is like a bounce back like as soon as you get away from the Venom Dragons turns out when the book is on its own two feet I think it's great and you're, you're right Tyler that it does seem, kind of feel like kind of like half between space half between mutants and what have you but I think both parts are really good I, I kind of use Snark War as entirely shield stuff personally I don't know where else it is maybe it's in the Guardians book I kind of forgot uh, I haven't read it in a while, but beyond that, I mean, also there's an amazing cancel scene in this issue. The art's incredible. Like, I'm very upset that Skeety's leaving soon. It's it's just like this is what we I wanted. Uh, we just had to wait a few months to get through a crossover. So I'm giving it a a happy 4.5 burning hearts, great designs out of five. All right, Fariha, what were your thoughts? Uh, so this kind of justified my hatred towards Coda. Like, you know, everything I, like, you know, I Mm. was scared of about Coda. It was, like, explained very well and succinctly here in the Quiet Council scene. Like, this is, and I'll get into it later, but I absolutely love the Quiet Council scene. I absolutely love how Arako is finally integrated in Mutant. I love the like, you know, what Brand is up to, like, you know, what, you know, the final reveal of that. I would give it a four up start out of five. And to be clear, when you say Koda, you mean children of the Adam, which the we Adam. discussed yes. last week. Okay. <coughs> yes. For me, you know, I think I heard a lot of familiar refrains from the three of you. To me, this is what I was hoping this book would be. I'm so into it. I think that maybe we were mistaken in thinking it was all going to be space stuff. I think it's very much about the struggle for what mutant and Krakoan law means in a broader context. And so that's necessarily going to have some Krakoa scenes, it's necessarily going to have some counter scenes, but its grasp is so much wider than the grasp that the other books have. And I think that that's the right tone for a book called Sword. So like, does it feel as purely Sword as maybe like the original Kieran Gillen Sword miniseries, which I love? No, but like, is it 
very unique in its voice here? I, I think so, yes. And also, I too will mention the art. I think this is maybe the best I've seen Skeety's art look in, in mm-hmm. years. I think it's even better than Empire. I don't think Marta Gracia has done better colors than this that I can remember. I think it's even better than his colors on House of X, Powers of X. Um, I, I just think remarkably this this was remarkable. I, I really don't... I might have like one or two little eh moments about it, but I just had a lot of fun. And that is what I'm looking for out of my X-Men comic mm-hmm. books every week. Fun and deep. Fun and a lot to think about. So I'm going to just throw out a theme here, but we're not going to really talk about it in full until the end, because I think it's the theme that kind of is the opening parentheses for this whole issue. And to Mm -hmm. our credit, we did mention it the last time we talked about S.W.O.R.D., which is the question of murder. Does law number two apply only to Homo sapiens, or in the words of the book, is alien life less important? And this is a theme that crosses through the book, and we will, I'm sure, touch on it multiple times. But the first thing I want to talk about, and I'll throw this to Harry, how about that rainbow data page that opens up the book here, man? Good Lord. <laughs> Did you like, read it? Yes. Did you, like, parse the whole thing? <laughs> beat by beat. And it just, it ties in so much stuff. It's so pretty. It's got so much stuff happening in it. It's just, like, a great way to start this book. And for those people who maybe eyes glazed over a little bit, what do you think they might have missed on the rainbow data page? Oh, well, you have uh, the Olympian gods, which I believe is a big tie into the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy book right now. You obviously have Null. Then you have, uh, you know, some stuff kind of leading up to the further, uh, what's happening further in the issue. Um, You know, it's just like there's like a lot of stuff happening here, which is cool. It does kind of feel like a little bulletin about the general status of the galactic Marvel, intergalactic Mm -hmm. Marvel universe right now that's. And I just think it's a great use of a data page. Like, it looks different. It's bold. It's visual. There's a reason to linker on it from, like, a graphic design sense. Tyler, Freya, what did you think about this? So this is kind of my nightmare scenario. Oh, no. VBA code. I don't know if any, like, you know, any of you are, like, you know, know how that works. So VBA code, um, which you can do for Excel. So it's like you press a button and Excel will do everything for you if you write it. It's kind yeah. of written in that way. Like it comes with all the slashes. It comes with different colors. It comes with different, <laughs> like, you know, different things you can do. Like, you know, if you put like, it's it's like that. And then you have to kind of like, you know, understand it. God forbid you give, you, you have been given another engineer's VBA code because no, we don't write like what mm-hmm. we mean for, because the next, per- we want to be like, you know, job security. Right? Yeah, I know. So, so it's oh it's a nightmare God. scenario. And the thing is, this week, I spent whole of Tuesday just trying to un- decode a VBA code. So when I opened this and I saw it, I was like, ah, my eyes. <laughs> but as oh. Harry mentioned, Harry mentioned, it actually gave me, I'm like, oh, okay, there's all these things that are going on. Cool, cool, cool. So yeah, I agree that it's a very good use of data page <laughs> and, and a very u- unique way of summarizing things and it's it's a great way to recenter the conflict where it's like okay we had a null thing happening but that is one entry on the chart of things we are dealing with which which makes it feel like a part of a bigger thing that sword is doing which Mm -hmm. feels right because that's kind of the scope that sword's going for tyler anything you'd add um i mean i i kind of like the self-identification loop because it says that um you know it says gates of creation and then it mentioned manifold even though i don't think this is referring to manifold the character but oh, it's, uh, it's it sort of like jumps out at me so and then it says like open them all 
and then it says utopian Cree way supreme completed and then uh, sentient beings numberless save them all because it's utopian mm -hmm. and then delusion inexhaustible and them all that's the part which i kind of like oh i have no idea what that means but it's still interesting because it seems like it's a cycle so you open them i mean you complete you save you end and then you open them all and it starts all over again so i, I thought oh this is interesting like where what? is um ewing going with this one of the things, one of the delusion of grandeur that was ended today, like in this issue though. So oh, I yeah. thought that it was probably <laughs> something related to that. One delusion was very quickly <laughs> yeah. slashed. Slash. Welcome to Krakoa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At risk of spending too long on this page, I want to send one thing around. Whose data is this? Anyone? Brands. Brands. Is it? It's so, it's so green. It has no. to be brands. That's Tyler, why are you saying no? <laughs> I don't think it is. I think is the Cree's um, supreme supremo. Harry, it does say the diplomatic guest stall, and then if there's a utopia protocol, that definitely sounds like a that's engaged. It does sound like a Cree thing. Uh, I I won't lie though. I just assumed it was like some kind of just basic database in the shield in the shield monitors. Uh, I, I, sword, sorry, sorry, sword. I don't think about the ownership as much as I should. I mostly just looked at it as like a nice way to get us up, up to like continuity and figure out what's going on in the world mm -hmm. rather than who was typing it out. Well, isn't there That's a key person that we met in the first issue? Who's like yeah. a liaison permanently. They're there on behalf of Teddy, the emperor. So I was assuming it was like them, but it's like their report, maybe like to brand or like after a briefing from brand. I just was really thinking about, cause it, since it um, talks a little bit about Snarkware stuff, but then the Snarkware kind of goes like in a different direction over the course of this yeah. issue. And that made me go yeah. back and reread the page. I'm like, wait a second, this is not brand's report. Anyway, open questions <laughs> yeah. to all of you viewers. Okay. We'll see. There's, two big plots happening here and they're interspersed with each other so we can't just jump back and forth we're just going to take the bigger uh, one and then the bigger one in page count and then we're going to take the smaller one although bigger in scale so cortez fabian cortez's unceremonious resurrection nude council appearance and ultimately rejection possibly one of the most satisfying x-men stories i can remember in my life uh he's He's resurrected because he died in the defense of the island, for better or for worse. And he's resurrected by Jean Grey, which I thought was interesting uh, because Jean certainly had some experience with him back in Mutant Genesis and X-Men 1 yeah. through 3 in 1991. And he's expecting fanfare. And Jean's like, oh, you should have seen the party for Sunfire, which had to make me laugh because nobody <laughs> likes Sunfire. That, I mean, Jean is, Jean is being... <laughs> See, Jean is being super, super acerbic here. Yeah. And so uh, I didn't think of that till just now. I, and so Gene leads him to the council, and this is where we'll make our first stop. A couple of things here. So Gene, just in general, who's not on the council, she's just dropping him off, you yeah. know, like the magic school bus. The council, not only is Gene and Apocalypse clearly not there, but Kate is absent, possibly being in Madripoor currently during the events of Rodgers. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the final two things I will take draw your attention to is Magneto is quite deliberately dressed in his classic red and purple red. design, and yes. his special guest who's sitting at a council seat not standing at the sidelines <clears throat> is peeper <laughs> so good <laughs> I, I i love i love the the his posture when he's introduced and he's like on the 
the chair just like hey guys what's going on like there's yeah. such like this like humble like coolness about it <laughs> i think peeper rules that's kind of my <laughs> big opinion of that it's just it's just like a fun way to just you already know cortez is not is going to get put in his place on some way just because like he doesn't even get the seat this other guy who's in his eyes beneath him is there which is cool well brand gets a seat too brand's yeah. gets, um the seat gene's seat right now Although she's she, there only in an advisory capacity. Yeah, yeah. She, so, you know, when she, even though she said that, I'm like, mm, no, girl. No, no. <laughs> she's not leaving like, the seat yeah, anymore. <laughs> you, I, know, I know you, girl. Even though we spend like very little time with Rand in the history of X-Men, like she's yeah. like a very relatively new character and stuff like that. And Gillen had to, but I'm like, girl, you know. This is yours. That's you. She's also really comfortable in the seat. Like she's yeah. really sassy and she's like, that's you know, that's her thing. I'm like, on a more aesthetic level, her suit design is incredible in this. She looks right. so cool. Like oh. the art is incredible. And that's yeah, just like, like a nice slim cut suit. The suspenders. It's just ah, the suspenders. Kind of like that a G man look, but it's like in green, so you're not reading her just as like man in black. She's reading as <sighs> yeah. a woman in green. Like it's, it's just a really neat little play and of that's, visual. That's and that's how like you know sexy councilwoman dresses. So yeah, you are a councilwoman. <laughs> yeah, wow. no, but it's, it's fun. I mean, the whole thing, the I mean the whole the whole sequence of uh, Cortex getting dissed first by Jean and then by Magneto and then the Council and then Peepers and then fired by Bran. <laughs> right at the end, it's just like one sequence after another. Just. <laughs> it's like. It was, and we'll, it we'll was, get all the way there. But first, yeah. any thoughts on Magneto in the classic colors here? What is well, the, what it, is his reasoning? Harry? It's showing him. It's showing him like in his most classic villain persona. But the 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 context here is that he has come so much farther than that. Where in my eyes, you know, Cortez is still so rooted in looking things in the old ways. Uh, I just thought like, it was like, just like a nice like uh, disparity, even with like with the costume. Um, and also kind of show that he's still connected to Peepers and Cortez in a way because he's still wearing like the old villain getup. I just thought it was like a shading of the character. For well, you, your, your your boy Magneto. What did you think about him in the classic duds here? Yeah, so, he's still no, your I heart. Mean, yeah, well, I mean, obviously, anytime he shows up, <laughs> Stolen. I'm like, mm, I mean, you know. Uh, so the thing, I I I'm actually beginning to think whether the issues that are released each week are deliberate in how they are chosen. Because the thing is, there's always a theme in terms of it, and there's something linking. And Magneto's costume links to another, uh, another issue and another incident that happened. And then it kind of like also reflective of what Harry said that I have come farther than where you are, child, and mm-hmm. don't you are not even worthy of being in the same room as I am. So I think it's like a lot of that, um, you know, and then. Uh, like I think, like that's kind of like where he was. Well, I, mean, for, I wish the longer horn was there. <laughs> the longer horn, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, but for, One can only for, help so for a more like, um, I mean, simpler reason, right? I mean, he he was wearing this costume when he first met Fabian Cortez, yeah, and like, when Cortez yeah. like betrayed him. Mm-hmm. So, oh. uh, yeah. I mean, look at look at that panel where Mag Magneto was like first dissing him and then like explaining why Peepers is there, and mm-hmm. look at how 
you know, Magneto's boyfriend is like smiling when when he discotheques. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. I just saw that. <laughs> there are so, so many small gems in this issue. I don't yeah. know who plays it, whether Ewin was the one who wrote it down or it was like Skitty who's like, oh, you know, I should, I should draw that smirk there. I should draw this. It's so good. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. Magneto's boyfriend's eyes wonders later on, but we'll, we'll get <laughs> yes. there. But the thing, well, and Skitty um, too. I think we've known him so much as this like um, kinetic kind of action person. Even when yeah. he's on a book like Empire, like Fantastic Four, which has some emoting in it, mm-hmm. he seems to be there because he's he can draw everything and he can draw stuff. And this is one of the like quieter issues, along with Sword yeah. Number One, that I think we've seen Skitty do, and like. He's real good at this facial acting. The one that really yeah. jumped out at me is after Peepers is is going real peepy on Cortez. Yes. And when he says, I am Cortez, which we're going to get to in a moment. So don't get into the mm-hmm. discussion of mm-hmm. that text. But the face that he makes with the narrowed eyes and he like twists his mouth a little bit to one side. Like you can just see the artist in the mirror doing yeah. doing the face. And, and it's such a good face. It struck. It really, really hung with me. That's why like I uh, kind of off topic. That's why I fell in love with this artist in uh hickman's new avengers because that was like a big arc in that series mm. and the face acting in that arc like from skeety is like what sold all the impact of that because that was a huge deal and just the way he got that emotion across is what made that land so well so like is he's always that, had this is it the first arc right it's no it's the great society arc when they like go against the justice league uh. yeah and there's like there's just like very strong emotions and all that. And that's like, and that was a book that had a lot of inconsistent artists when Skeety showed up. It was like, oh, this is another level. Like this is, this mm. is just better, you know? Yeah. So, I seem then, to have blocked that up, but I'll take your word for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, I don't know why, because that was the best part. The best part. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's also the, the way um, Ewing writes transitions. So like mm-hmm. Peter mentioned in the beginning, there are two intersecting stories here right now and the dialogue actually sort of transit because in the first first transition it ends with um one of the um snark people saying up close and personal and then we yeah. switch to the scene where Cortez is like naked and up right in front of the three of them close and personal great comics like transitions yeah it's yeah. just the best Oh, there's, yeah. I mean, there's so much good to say about the art. I'm sure we're going to come back to it a few more mm-hmm. times looking at the yeah. topics of discussion. Just on Magneto's costume, I- I'm totally with Tyler. I-, I really saw it as Magneto saying, look, you were talking to me as if we're equals in this new utopian Krakoan society back in Sword Number 1. Let me remind you of when I was the master and you were the, the servant. <laughs> and you, let's all remember, tried to kill me. And that's not a thing you can do anymore. It really seemed very pointed for him to invite Cortez like into the council and then be there resplendent in yeah. his cape to kind of be like, do you remember the last time naked. this went down? Yeah. Um, right. It's, it was almost <laughs> while like he's he, naked. Yeah. While, while he's, he's naked. naked. But we're going to get. The, yeah. Oh, go ahead, Harry. I just I think it's very funny that we had theories last episode about like, oh, what is he going to plan? What's the big what's the discussion? And then it just ends up kind of being a pretty devastating burn. Can we can we hold on to that? Because I have something to say about that. Like, you know, that because I was actually thinking about our our discussion. But, you know, can we like I yeah. really I almost want to roll back the tape because I think we got real close. But uh, so we will hold on to that. But the other thing I, I just want to say here is, of course, we're going to get more into implications of what it means for Magneto to be in this class costume based on what he says at the end of this discussion. But before mm-hmm. we get to the end, we got to do the middle. And the middle mm-hmm. is 
fascinating because Cortez uses the word flat scan to describe humans and why he should not kill them. And Xavier immediately asks him to refrain on that. And this turns into a really fascinating discussion about naming the thing, giving it power. And if you derive power from your name, there's so much to talk about here. I I don't, I don't even even if I can fully summarize it, but uh, peepers at what I say is peeper. I like saying peepers because it's more fun to say peeper fires back what's your mutant name to cortez and cortez is like i don't have a mutant name and by implication so you're just using your human name and then cortez winds up on this huge monologue about like my people are european royalty which gets some major side eye from sorm uh and (laughs) uh and it's kind of he's like trapped in his own little rhetorical box here where he's like i hate flat scans mutants are supreme but he won't even take a mutant name because he thinks he's above it all which raised some really interesting questions to me including going back to the flat scan thing if a mutant says flat scan now and they're on Krakoa is that punching up or punching down at this point you know like is Charles just why should they not say flat scan which I think opens yet another interesting bundle so I this is a whole bundle of topics you can pick anything in the bundle and Tyler can go ahead and go first like what's the most interesting thing to you about this whole giving a name to something gives power and how you name it I mean I feel like in this case peepers is basically um not even not even going that direction about giving powers to names. Mm. He's he's basically um, striking at the heart of the issue with Cortez, um, because Cortez' main problem here is he. I mean, not main problem. The the the, the issue that people um, like saw right through is that um, Fabian Cortez is a really petty um, person. So his whole issue with murder no man has nothing to do with the law. Mm. His whole issue is that I need the special permission to go kill my family and mm-hmm. not get punished. And there's, therefore, before I can do that, I need to put up you know, this grand gesture of, of saying that, well, this law doesn't make sense. People are already dying. They are on the way to, to, you know, to, to death. And so, you know, why should why should it matters if one or two dies because of me? And I no. think that's I think that's where I read the whole scene. Um, but I mean, the the I mean, I'll 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 let the two of you, um, the three of you, discuss the part about the naming part because um, I I kind of completely did not um, take that um, read that that into this uh, this whole scene. Well, the thing you did re- read is hugely fascinating, so I don't think there's anything to anything that you missed here. Freya yeah. and Harry, what would you say about all of that or something else? So, <sighs> so okay, Harry, go first. <laughs> I just, I, my, I guess I had the surface reading, which is that, you know, Charles is trying to say we are past this kind of, like, behavior and thinking and language for the humans. And what I found really interesting about this, without, like, actually verbal, like, articulating it in the book like Cortez's position in this is like such like an incredible mix of like being stuck in the old ways of thinking of hating humans like some pretty obvious like white boy ignorance when Storm calls him out a little bit like and he 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 literally can't even he he's still like even though he's saying he's above humans and he's past this and he, you know they they shouldn't even be considered like you know xyz he still gives himself the human name, he's comparing himself to his human ancestors. He's so plugged into that, that he's just not getting with this new status quo. 
And he just comes off super entitled and uh, easily dunkable, I guess. So it's just like a super interesting perspective of like extreme like entitlement and ignorance without like it being hammered super hard in the issue. I think it was just like some really smart writing from Ewing. All right, Freya. So for me, like, you know, one of the first thing is like, he also killed, got himself killed in a way thinking that, oh, I'm going to be the hero. And then that's when they're going to listen to me. And that mm. just backfired so much. <laughs> but I was thinking that everything that he said, I also said those things in the message to you guys while I was reading Decimation. Almost word for word, some of the things that he said. And some of the things that he's also said, I also have that same feeling about me being a visible minority and then saying all of that. And this is where I was saying that how it kind of validates my hatred for Children of the Atom because this is actually a, a, a situation of um, suffering com uh, competition. Mm. You know, because mm. he said all of these things it is actually within his right to say that as a mutant. However, he's also a human passing white blonde man. And then he says that in a tea, in a room where there's storm, there is Nightcrawler, yeah. who is not a human passing. There is a Holocaust survivor. He's also actually, rich. <laughs> yeah, he's also rich. And then here's also another thing. All the time he was saying all of this about humans doing all of this. I'm like... Bitch, I just read Decimation. Your your ass was not there during the whole era. Like you were not present. You did not suffer the same way. But then that's what I'm saying. Like it's just a suffering competition. Like, you know, and it also becomes like this whole thing is like, okay, then who is justified in saying what? But who can, like, who should be feeling what about, you know, about their identity and what it, like how others perceive that identity? Is he any less justified in saying these things? Uh, as a mutant, no. But as everything else, he is. <laughs> like, you know, he's not. Like, you know, as a mutant, he's justified. But as everything, other, all other identity, especially when you com compare it with people, other people in the room, he's not. So, I mean, I don't know. I find it to, found it to be so fascinating. It blew my mind. And this is exactly what I want X-Men books to be. So I was like hyperventilating. <laughs> like I was like, <gasps> especially when, especially when Magneto just stood up and said, do you think your suffering is more than mine? Like, you know, well, or, like what, or what he said, like, do, yeah. you, do you think human, uh, I mean, I'm sorry. I, no, I he says, he that, says, but. He says, do me one favor, Cortez. Look me in the eye in and, the tell, eye me, and tell, me. tell me they are greater than mine. They referring to his suffering. Right. Yeah. They are greater than mine. And the thing is, yeah. if you had read X-Men Magneto Testament. You know. Also that, art by Diamenica. Yeah, yeah. And by Greg Park. That, mm -hmm. that panel should take your breath away. Like that mm -hmm. will take your breath away. That's well, one of the reasons I'm like. I was. I, I know. Was... No, I mean not only that. The 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 lighting in these three panels was done really well because every er, suddenly you know everything is in shadow and there's mm -hmm. a spotlight on Magneto. Right. And the so, color shifts. It gets lower and, and lower so that Magneto has shadows cast on him yeah, from above. It makes us correct. feel like as the viewer, as the reader, we're now beneath him, which is very old Magneto, especially with him in that costume, especially saying the things that he says. He almost draws this power, this darkness around him in order mm -hmm. to repudiate it. 
which has a very interesting connection to the way we see Magneto in Way of X this week, which we'll be talking about yeah. separately. Mm-hmm. Uh, real and together forms something very, very powerful. Like I mean, I was, I, and he was sitting, but then he stood up, and then he said that, and then and then he just shut up. But the thing is, but you know, I mean, that's one of the things I was like, so I find it so fascinating. That's one of the reasons I want to talk about intersectionality within mutants so yes. much because the thing is, if all of these lines were said by Storm, we would be having a complete different conversation, even though they're both mutants, mm-hmm. both Cortez, Cortez, and Storm are mutants, but we would be having so much different conversation. But then also like, you know, talk about his name and then the fact that in this era of mutant, like of Krakoa, where everybody's code name is their mutant identity and they kind of keep talking about it again and again and he's just refusing to pick one. And somehow that is like, you know, goes against him. Mm-hmm. Well, and not like, just the code name because Apocalypse basically changed his name. Yeah. Oh, you can choose. You can choose something a, else. Whatever. Like, whatever. Just not your yeah. human name. Not right. your. Not the name where you started as a mm-hmm. human. Like that's the implication of yeah. it. Like it has to be something different. So I mean, it's just. It's such like he. He's got such. Are a you guys small, all hot? I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> he's got such like a small petty arrogance in this. Like his problems. Like you can almost read them, like you can almost understand. But then he mentions just like, oh, I only had like a only like a light six figures and X, Y, Z. And it's like he can't see he can't see the greater picture in a way. And it's just like a very fascinating like level to read. It it was very cool. And then also like one one other thing that I also want to mention is like they talk about postures and everything. Um, He's like, you know, standing there all naked, not once tries to like, you know, get any, hum- like, you know, humility and stuff. Like, he's just there with his arms, both arms well, at the like beginning that. he covers up, and then, and then he decides, like, yeah. well, that's not going to like, help me. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. it just, it just, it just, like, you know, a whole thing about, like, you know, um, like, you know, talk, if you want to talk about uh, pride of white men. <laughs> <laughs> and then well, he says also, two of, yes, go ahead. Yeah, I'm done. <laughs> just also with the body line, I'm really interested in that, and I think it was quite deliberate. He starts out very closed and covered, right, because he's embarrassed. Mm. Then as he thinks he has the floor... He opens up, but as Magneto gives him that like, dressing ties down, his hair. right, right, everything to make him look like more bold and more presented in every way. But then, as Magneto starts dressing him down, his body language closes again. When he says, "Tell me that yours are greater than mine," he closes his body language again, puts his hands across. This is something that we see. It's something you pay attention to when you're in, you know, doing theater and acting. It's something to pay attention to in business meetings. When you close your body posture, it tends to be read as defensive, whether defensive. you mean it that way or not. Even though somehow. Or, right, or or kind of like um, reasserting your position of, in some way, and Magneto yeah. kind of backs him into that corner, and without seeing any conflict. And then also, when everybody starts talking on the next page, we stop seeing him in flattering angles. You know, we start seeing him in these oblique angles where he needs to keep twisting to react to people. And again, it shows that he doesn't have power. It's it's reducing the, his physicality on the page, especially as we see this nine-up grid, which we've seen many many times in Quiet Council scenes. Mm-hmm. But we're kind of using it to create the disorientation of all the different people speaking from all the different sides yeah. of the council and i think it's it's very very effective but you know in all of that which was fascinating discussion uh, uh, many of which i had, had notes on mm-hmm. uh, including i don't need some tawdry alias paper uh <laughs> there's two specific and you talked about the idea of kind of assimilation like aliases are the culture now if he wants to assimilate into current culture he's got to take one on here's the thing i haven't heard us talk about Cortez's whole argument here, yeah, he wants to kill his family. Tyler nailed that. But he's saying human life is finite anyway. 
mutant life isn't finite anymore. So can we even compare the two? Which, for all of his terrible points, I think that he's found kind of one true kernel here, which is that, like, can you even say that we're humanity at the point that our existence is infinite? Aren't we almost more like some kind of cosmic being, which I think is very much in keeping with the idea of sword? So, Freya, what did you think about that point in isolation? Take away all the asshole mm-hmm. that Cortez is. Right. What about that point that human life is finite and mutant life is not? I want Northstar to answer that question. Mm, why? Like, because Northstar husband is a human. Mm-hmm. And then I also want to talk about all the human children, like, you know, all the, like, you know, human children or human connections that these mutants have. Mm-hmm. How do they feel about this? Because this is very true. This is an actual a problem that no one is talking about, that they yeah. have slowly become gods. And we will talk about a lot of it because there was another scene in another issue of this week in OA of X that like blew my mind like even with what was happening in the like pretty like it blew my brains out like the same way what was happening in the panel because it's such a complex thing and this is one of the reason i keep on saying no other x-men will be as good as this era ever (laughs) you can't convince me otherwise (laughs) so you know this is like and this is yeah this is proving my point like again and again i mean i was fascinated like i was like i read i read those two pages twice i can't can could not stop thinking about this like it's like everything he said are so justified but it's coming from the most horrifying person Mm. in that room like other than sinister maybe but (laughs) well sinister's loved it He's yeah, like, since I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> loved it, but you know, I'm pretty sure he's taking notes about, yeah. you know, like what not to do. But, uh, like, mm, I mean, yeah, it's becoming, it's it's a problem. It's a problem. Like, we have, have um, examples where mutants can have human children. How does that affect them? Like, you know, mm-hmm. how will that affect them? No one is talking about that. What happens when Kyle dies to Northstar? Like, it's just, it's, it's, it's like what what does it so they they actually literally will not have relationship with humans anymore like you know it doesn't it won't like you know even though they want to like they think but the thing is with time the the next generations will probably walk away from that harry any thoughts from you on the idea of mutants as eternal here well yeah i mean i just think he's for all of his pettiness, he's the one thinking like a true immortal and is like, well, they're already, they're going to be dead eventually and we won't be. So what do we do about that? So, you know, I just took it more as like, of course you would think this way, but like if everyone thinks this way, you're probably all going to get lost a little bit as a society. Mm-hmm. So I just took it more as like, he's got ideas that uh, the council's not going to accept because they're seems consciously trying to avoid those kind of uh that kind of level of uh, arrogant thinking, although they might be failing at that a little bit. But <laughs> yeah, I just I seem mean, like more of it just more, yeah. I mean, two of them kind of knows that mm. things are not looking good, but rest of them yeah. know that. <laughs> He's a very it's weird hard. mix of like smarts and like super petty. It's an interesting character. Tyler, anything I mean, you would add? The, the thing is that right now, because of the... Um, of the number of mutants that have been killed, uh, murdered, um, you know, unfairly, um, mm-hmm. 
the resurrection protocol is put in place to just basically resurrect um, almost everyone, with some mm-hmm. exception. But my feeling is that um, once we reach a threshold, or once everyone has been resurrected once, there will be rules put in place, as in like, okay, so if I do not want to be resurrected, can I do uh, do not you know do not resurrect um, in my will? So that I die peacefully. And DNR. Yeah, mm-hmm. a different a different meaning for DNR. In the real yes. world, DNRs do not resuscitate. Yeah, do not resuscitate. <laughs> so, so here you probably will have some people who, you know, for example, let's say Northstar grew old with Carl. I mean, even though they can be resurrected into the young body again, um, it, I mean, like Northstar will have a lifetime with Carl. And when his lifespan ends and he dies, uh, Kyle dies, and he and Northstar maybe you know he's fairy, so I'm not sure how 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 long he lives in the Marvel <laughs> universe. But let's assume that he dies um, naturally as well, grow dies naturally. Would would I mean would he be satisfied? Would he wants to come back as a younger self and live in this world without Kyle? Um, I, I don't know. Well, we so, haven't really dealt with the but, whole topic of old age, really. Yeah. Yeah, and Krakow, very few mutants are old. Uh, yeah. And we haven't certainly haven't di- dealt with anybody dying from natural causes or what mm-hmm. resurrection means from that. Can you die of natural causes yeah. if there's resurrection and people to tinker with your biology in the egg? Yeah. And and here's also another thing I'm gonna show it throw in over there, um, and that's because of how skeezy some of these ca- the council characters are. North Star dead, right? He, they, <laughs> but then they need him for something. They need a speed star. They bring, bring him back. back. Put the memory that Kyle is still alive, and wow. let him lose, or remove that memory. Yeah, or, or bring him Kyle's back from memory. before he said he didn't want to be yeah. revived. Right? Yeah, There's, yeah. yeah. Or, did, or yeah. like it's, and you know that Professor X gonna do that. You you can tell <laughs> we're all <laughs> waiting that. to get to talk oh, more yeah. about way like, I know. So. I'm going to take something from that go around and use it to link us to the other plot here. Mm-hmm. So I think that something a lot of you are bringing up is the idea of just because they're mutants, just because they're potentially eternal and immortal, should they lose the idea of their humanity? But then even in that word, humanity, there there's the sense of their former oppressors. How can they refer to their humanity when humans are indeed the thing that they're trying to be different from, right? But that connects to this sword plot, because so much of what we've been looking at in X-Men, at least at the kernel of Krakoa, is the idea of mutant and human but really it's not mutant and human it's mutant and every kind of society who is evolving yeah. in a different direction because mm-hmm. we have vampires we have the children of the vault we have arako who's now part of krakon culture and now we have this whole we have many other examples on earth and now we have the intergalactic example as well so it's not really humanity it has something more to do with uh, and again this leads us a little bit back to way of x m- morality about um mutinity you know, yeah many of these options right but let's shift our cap- now uh, a few issues ago we were introduced to the odds of the snark war and uh in an earlier issue of sword we were given the odds don't ever tell me the odds we were given <laughs> the odds of who would win the snark war out of these various siblings and combatants and we saw that some were the odds on favorites to win the war the person who was not the odds on favorite was kuga of the boa clan 25 to 1 against uh eldest of the current heirs radical modernist currently in retreat 
retreat after a catastrophic defeat. But by the end of this issue, Kuga has taken the throne at the end of the Snark War, and that is because it turns out that it was actually Brand and Sword, and specifically Amelia Vogt, who has be been behind this picking off of all of the various combatants. And not only Amelia Vogt, but Amelia Vogt pretty much just as, again, a magic school bus on the behalf <laughs> of our first new Arakan, Cora of the Burning Heart. Oh, Cora. be still my heart. Uh, so we... And, and the art, may I add, is utterly phenomenal as each of these murders is just backlit in pure <laughs> red. But Marta Gracia, beautiful. Yeah. Tyler, what do you think about this development? Sword has engineered the end of the Snark War with the Snark who is the most favorable to mutants as a yep. sovereign nation. Definitely something which... Um, I wasn't uh, expecting. So I was kind of like groaning a little bit. I was like, oh, okay. We are we're dealing with this, with this random, with this random aliens that I don't even care about, that yeah, I don't even same. know anything about. And then it's like, oh, okay, another one got killed. Okay. And then that scene where Amelia Vogue came, came out of the shadows. I was like, oh, okay, this is interesting. So um, Sword is doing something. And then they, they introduced the Araki. I was like, oh, that is interesting. That is really interesting. Because remember when um, Xavier and Magneto went to Arako and said, hey, you know, this is our flower. And this cup is like, get out of here. Stop, stop disturbing me. Whereas yes. Bran actually managed to recruit one of them. And that is actually very, very significant, I think, in this case. Because Bran is saying that... Bran has always stated that I am not reporting to you. I'm actually working with you. Mm -hmm. And here she's, again, once again, proving that I am not at your level. I mean, oh, you are not at my level. Like, I'm actually, you know, doing something more than you are capable of doing right now. Mm. Harry? I thought that was really interesting. Uh, and I, I also thought that it's really interesting that um, they use Amelia Volk because her teleportation power has to do with like, kind of like vampire because she turns into mist and then she teleports things with her as mist. So I don't, have we ever seen her do intergalactic teleportation like I that way before? So. No, right? Yeah. So that's like an expansion of her powers somehow. Yeah. <laughs> I just was, you know, I was kind of like Tyler. I was like, okay, the lizards are cool, but where is this building to? I don't know. Is this going to build outwards and be this whole space thing? But no, no, it turns out it's the simplest answer and a really good one, which is just that Abigail Brand's doing some really great assassination, like dirty dealing in space. It's like a very direct obvious kind of thing but i mean that in like the best way possible because it just lands and then it ties in with the cortez plot so well and the art's incredible and like just these two disparate tracks just end up being in the same place in such an elegant mm -hmm. unexpected way like and i and this character looks incredible like i think we're all on the same page that this design is so great and even the way that like her her word balloons are colored and like the the font colors great like it just it worked so well i was just like it's like I, it's it was it was more it pulled the story in more than i was expecting but that's kind of what i wanted we kind of got some mm -hmm. nice payoff here it was yeah. cool for um no i mean this 
when I was like hyperventilating before, this is when I just was screaming. <laughs> 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 I was like screaming. Like a tea kettle going off. <laughs> oh yeah, like I was screaming. I went and I hugged my Ex of Swords uh, oversized hardcover because I'm like, it's all coming together now because Arakos are literally going to be, if you F with us, we will effing replace you yeah. with Arakans. Like, do not, we have now a opposite of you in every one of you, like we will replace <laughs> you. Like it's, it's pretty much that is the... That is the uh, like a lesson here. But the thing is her reveal, her like, what's up? And then there was like this dish, 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 like in a bunch of data pages that shows up. It will all hit so, so well. And then it's like, it's right after Cortez, like, you need me. No, we don't. Like, you know, <laughs> no, we don't. No. We, and if we need, if we need Creed now, we'll find the Arakan version and bring that over. Like every <laughs> one of you are replaceable now. I mean, the whole idea of that is just... And then also, Sword might as well call the real X Force, right? Like, let's just call it <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, this is like, some real X Force stuff. Like right that's <laughs> like that is like the perfect thing. Like it's like yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do some manipulation and stuff, and if, that's uh, what a a real superpower should. I mean, real superpower do like you know mm-hmm. go in other places and. If the vampires showed up here, I wouldn't be mad. Be like, good. Let's keep it going. But only yeah, let's here. keep it going. Only here. And then Xavier just, so just like at the end, Xavier is like, "Oh, are you free, Amelia?" Oh, oh look so so at yeah. yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah. okay. <laughs> like, look at that smile on Xavier. I've never seen seen that. Like, you know, because I always kind of look at him as like someone who's a little asexual. Like, I don't know. You know, he's like yeah. a he's grandpa got level. Needs and, for you. I know. Like well, now he probably got he got a got a new body, and who knows what he upgraded. You know, like you know, in terms of like whatever Quinton said, no, he probably got those upgraded because he's the man. You know, so he's like, hey, Amelia, where you up to? I was like, wait, I, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm assuming that this is the body that he got at the end of Astonishing. So no, he got I mean, killed. He might, no, because he, he got, got killed shot. The next Force One. Oh, so oh, oh yeah, he did. Oh Maybe yeah, that's right, that's right, that's yeah. right. Like a that's mega right. I forgot about that. I forgot about that. After, after X Force One, so yeah, X Force One, he has a new body. We don't, yeah. well, we don't know if he's we don't been know replaced. what's in his will, and we don't we know if he's been replaced. More than that, he's the one who's got the most strain put on him and even though we see him in all these books we don't really have a sense of his interior life up until way of x and so we yeah. don't know maybe he's been resurrected secretly by some other psychic he's got kept in store a few times we really don't know mm, yeah. so uh, so look there we we're oh, pretty we're pretty far along so in this cute. discussion and there's so much more we could talk about brand gets into the reason she's invested in the snark war which personally partially has to do with her father and i just before reading this issue was on wikipedia like did we ever really truly learn about <laughs> Bram's parents like recapping mm-hmm. on that and so this is the first little tickle of that we've gotten in a while um just the idea that you know brand brings this matter directly to the Krakon council but doesn't really tell them everything she's been up to as Freya mentioned the data pages which um used so well here by Ewing because they're unredacted they're the unredacted versions of the previous ones but he doesn't just run them all in a row he just does this cascade of them as if they're across her desk in fact the only way that could have been better for me is if it was like on a literal desk and there was like a coffee cup stain or something that, that would be good. but yeah. but we end you know so we can't spend too much time talking about this but 
we end on her saying it's the Mysterium that matters, really, in terms of control. And guess what? Sword has got Mysterium in spades. They have a whole room full of Mysterium. Yep. What for? They have, like, two pits of, like, Mysteriums. You like, want to make me what? feel better about like spending so much time in the King and Black time? Get to this issue. Turns out they've been collecting this stuff the whole time, and we're moving. And I'm like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> let's keep it going. Well, the, the thing is, like, you, sorry, yeah. I was I was just gonna drop like some random things, like you know, you have like forearm and slap being like the bodyguards outside the. Is the that who it was? Yeah, four arms. Yeah. He has four arms. And then there's like Slap from like X Factor. Yeah, so, Nasty Boys, right? Oh, yeah, <laughs> Nasty Boys. Yeah. So, wow, Tyler. Well spotted, my friend. The the one thing, I, a couple of things I want to mention though. First of all, her father is the same race as the masseuse from the Phoenix Saga that came to <laughs> give... You won't understand am, what she's talking about yet because that's a few weeks, few weeks away, but it's all no, going to make sense later. But, but yeah. no, I mean, it's in the Phoenix Saga, people. You you all have read it a thousand times. I don't know why, but you all did. So go look at it. And then that's the same one. And then the other thing I want to say, though, is that I absolutely loved from the last issue, that whole murder thing. Like, you know, that's one of the reasons mm-hmm. I was saying that can we please talk about it is that it was such a good misdirect because we all thought, knowing what we know about Magneto, that he is talking about like, oh, we are going to overturn the murder rule. But he was talking about humiliating Cortez. And Professor X was telling him, do you really want to do this? Like, do you do not go down that road of humiliating citizens yeah. in the council like this? <laughs> don't do this. Please and that's don't what, rest Cortez. Right. And I absolutely, <laughs> so, I mean, I, I, I really don't like Game of Thrones for very many reasons but there's one scene between Sansa Stark and Arya Stark that actually goes like this uh, in season 7 the last uh, last episode of season yeah. 7 I absolutely adore that because it's like you think it's going in one way and then the turnaround mm-hmm. even though it wasn't armed there but in this yeah. one completely armed I absolutely yeah. loved it like yeah, it was that, it was that this is, yeah this was um, this was hidden much better i think than that scene in game of thrones but that's me that's another conversation entirely for x-force 19 as we always do we will start with our first impressions beginning with tyler um i i I kind of like the story and even though it is a bit confusing when percy basically split the 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 extra plane into like dreamscape and extra plane um you know i think on a second read i kind of got it um I still really dislike the art with the odd faces and the thick lips, though. So, um, I mean, I, I'm going to give it a 3.25 isolation pool out of 5. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Harry. I like this. Like, more than I thought. I was reading it just like, this is this is working for me. And, like, Tower, you're right that, like, the faces are really weird to be nice but like there's something about this art that i like i mean it's obviously he was picked because he wants to draw really gross grimy stuff and he's good at it obviously better Mm -hmm. than human faces but like this is just a good solid issue of like a character exploring you know self-loathing through like a comics medium and that's that's fun it's i don't i don't have like a ton to say but like i like quentin choir i like that they're pushing him this way and i think it ended well and like i'm weirdly more up on this series than i've been in a while so i'm gonna give it i'm gonna give it 3.75 melted candle faces 
Very <laughs> hot. Um, I actually enjoyed it a lot, you know, and especially there were some. Oh, I know. You enjoyed Jin issue. Sorry. All right, hold on. Let, let's get our reaction. Stand back, folks. No, I mean the thing is, like, I absolutely enjoyed. I, I really enjoyed it in terms of like you know figuring out like you know how power works and stuff like that. Most of the things I actually like, you know, a lot of the callbacks to how mental powers and the doors and compartmentalize work because those were kind of reminded me of some other things. I absolutely hated the Muppet art. Like you know, everyone looked like <laughs> Muppet in this. I absolutely hated that, and that really took me out. But the thing is. Otherwise, I I really genuinely enjoyed it. And also, like you know, kudos. Mm, stop look. Stop doing that to me. Take it away. Take it away. Yeah. And then also, like you know, I will give like t- like you know thumbs up to my girl Phoebe for like doing this to Jean. Like you know, yeah. it's like mm, like you know. Oh yeah. Is it like how about consensual? If someone just walked into someone else's door, huh? Like I was like. Mm, uh, <laughs> okay, we'll get there. There we will get. <laughs> right. Uh, mm, I think that this issue's... Harry <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> is just showing us close-ups of Quentin Quarter's Muppet face. Uh, I... I think this issue and, and Percy and Gary Brown's reach somewhat exceeded their grasp here. It, it felt like it was supposed to kind of be a big finale slash reckoning for this plot that's been going for a while. And we've been talking a lot across all of our This Week in X's about X-Force and Wolverine, about how the story is long running, which is much more of a Claremontian thing. But you got to have some finesse to do that. And you can't give repeated beats. And I think that part of my problem here is that all, all of the Quentin beats, and I went through and went word balloon by word balloon, I don't think we got anything new. I think we've gotten all that we really was like unique and powerful about Quentin over the past two or three issues, and they've been great. But that kind of left us on one side with Gene doing something really cool and memorable, I thought, in this issue, really worthy of my conception of Gene Grey. And the other side, it just felt like Quentin was like recycling things we've already seen him realize or say in other issues. So it ultimately kind of warned me. I, I thought it was okay. I'm happy that we've gotten somewhere. I think the colors from Guri FX were phenomenal uh but as an issue it just kind of felt like it had a lot of repetitive stuff in it to me so we start out the issue bedtime at summer house oh my gosh i mean come on am i wrong like You're i'm not, not wrong. wrong but i have to say nice. gary brown's faces can fit a book like go and read baby teeth it's it's from aftershock mm-hmm. it's by gary brown yes. and donny cates it is such a fun read it is Mm-hmm. totally enjoyable. You'll devour the issues in like two minutes each and then you'll go back and want to reread them because you're like, whoa, I didn't give any time to like react to that because I devoured it so first. Ha- Gary Brown's artwork's there perfectly. Absolutely. But, but here it Agreed. just doesn't quite. Especially because the colors I think are on such, they're on blast, man. Guri Vets brought the pink. There is so much pink in this issue and you know I love when a comic <laughs> really book is pink. <laughs> I was getting my life from the pink. But then like it doesn't, re- that much pink on Gary Brown art just does not work. Which I think is part of of the Muppet face problem is like the way the flesh tones are. And his art almost kind of has like a charcoal drawing effect to it sometimes. Like you want to see some of the shading in the line. And I think the colors were almost like fighting with that Mm. a little bit. But anybody else on art since we started out talking about art? Muppet. I think it's nice. I I get it. It's kind of grimy and gross looking. I think that's all that that is to an extent to the book's detriment. But like for the mood it's establishing with these 
weird dreamscapes and astral worlds and what have you. I think it's, I don't know why I'm like, I, I totally get what you're saying, but I'm fond of it all the same. It like, I, I like looking at I, it. I identified like four characteristics of Jean and one of them is being beautiful. And when she couldn't do that <laughs> over here, because she right, looks fair. so, come on now. No, Some don't of the do faces that. of Jean here are just One more, one more, one more, one more, one more. Oh, with her go. whispers? Oh. Jean with the yeah. whispers? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Make it I'm stop. like, have you hired John Romita Jr. while I wasn't paying attention? Sure. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, the, the thing is that, like, it works for the nightmare scenes. If, yeah. If you have more normal-looking human than the Jasperization. Uh, right. Uh, I think I'm missing and and uh, some some something, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so basically, the the difference between uh, those two will um, stand out a little bit more. But if the normal human faces look a little bit weird to begin with, and then you get the weirder faces, it's sort of the impact is not there. I think so. Um, and mm-hmm. overall, it just makes the whole book ugly in some ways. Yes. So. And X Force I mean, is a book that sometimes feels okay to be ugly, but I also kind of yeah. feel like this was such a significant moment. I kind of felt robbed of having somebody like Kasara draw a finale I here, know. especially with his cover. My Lord uh, is, am- is and he even said on Twitter that it's one of his favorite things he's done since he's been in the X mm-hmm. office. Like it just just felt a little robbed. But now let's get to the actual plot of the book. Uh, we open up bedtime at the Summers house. Jean has decided to sleep in the same room as Cyclops tonight, and uh, we get Cyclops' Ruby Core sleep mask, which which I really enjoyed. And so Jean good. is still unsettled <laughs> by the earlier vision. We cut away to Jean for like a split second, the last mm-hmm. issue, where she just had this vision of this horror, this psychic horror, and, and is when she's in the middle of her domestic day. And um, she just can't stay asleep, and so she decides she's got to go back to Krakoa and see what's up. And even before she gets a chance to fully do that, Phoebe is calling for help as Quentin is locked in his psychic exploration here. So um, Jean ultimately does wind up going down and kind of pulling their fat from the fryer. Some thoughts on this, Tyler? Um, I mean, I think this scene is the one that happens after she kissed Wolverine with a coffee breath, right? Trying and to put Wolverine, all the Jean dinest- yeah. domestic... He's like, come to bed. She's like, N- yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it happens there. And I was like... <laughs> I mean, the first thing I was like, Scott, what are you doing? Jean is trying to tell you something. Why are you like... He's sleeping. That's where he meets yeah. up with Emma in his sleep. We all know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <I> know. <laughs> and we, we were talking happening. about... I think last issue, at the end, we were talking about... Um, when, when we were Why discussing she- last issue... We were talking about how um, Phoebe was like, oh, um, why not call Jean instead of calling Emma? And I thought it was, I mean, that beat was being like fleshed out here too. And I thought it was really interesting um, thing that, you know, she immediately said, Jean, 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 help. Instead of like calling out to Emma here. It also shows that Phoebe maybe is more separated from some of the other cuckoos and that like, like she had the power to call out to anybody for help here and she calls out to Jean. Yeah, later she twists the knife on Jean a little bit, but like, A, Phoebe's very much on X-Force now. She didn't call out Mm -hmm. to her mom, who's not on X-Force. She called out to Jean and then B, even if she is on X-Force, why wouldn't you call in Emma if you thought she was the psychic in chief? But no, she still called Jean. So I think that there's actually, again, probably my favorite thing in this book right now is that it's actually developing the idea of Phoebe and and choir is kind of their own yes, people. Yeah. But uh, Harry, what did you think just about this setup of Jean getting sucked back in? 
It's good to have her back. I honestly didn't realize how much I missed her presence in this book. I not to go back to my weekly tired of beast tirade, but like it was nice to have her as a figure in this rather than him. And like it just it felt like like more of like an authority figure and like some like a powerful character getting into the mix. And I just and I to, to not to repeat everything y'all just said, but yeah, I love that they're kind of making Phoebe more of like a fully fleshed out character, independent of the other cuckoos and of um, of uh, Emma. So like, I just think it's good. I liked it. Well, Ding Dong the Beast is dead because he he finally <laughs> submitted it in the last question. We don't have to deal with him here. Freya, uh, noted Gene scholar, Freya. What yes. what did you think? <laughs> uh, what did, well, yeah. I'm just referring to like we're always like Gene, Gene, Gene. You're like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. I know. I mean, so the thing is, in in our time, well, like this podcast, time shenanigans. You're gonna figure out, like, you know, we. I have some strong thoughts about Gene and stuff, and I want more Gene in places so we know what on earth Gene is because we have not had her for a very long time. So from that point of view, I'm really, I'm. Ex- I was excited to see her here, and I was also excited to see her doing something rather that's not like oh can i kiss your coffee breath or oh yes honey i'm coming to bed like you know it's none of that and it's kind of like you know she's doing her own thing and stuff like that so from that point of view i was like super into this and then also she how she explains her power and how she do does things i was like like you know and then also thank you I mean, I'm I'm really criticizing the art, but thank you for putting that ruby quartz sleeping mask because it drives me insane when he doesn't have that. And he's like, and people just walk into their bedroom and keep waking him up. I'm like, please don't do that to that man. So at least now you can go ahead and do that. Yeah, it's okay. But yeah, I know it's. I mean, I know the face. Uh, but it's no, okay. I think like, it looks good. The, it well, does like look it. good. Scott looks okay, but Jean looks like, an, like a middle-aged housewife there. Muppet! Like, a yeah. Muppet. Like, I know. just think so, and, and, it's good. I mean, this issue also like sort of uh, explain why Peter was so upset with one of the Hawks issue where Jean was like, oh, oh, and Monet has to tell her to do better. So like, like that was, I, I remember one of the, I think it's Hawks 3 or Hawks 4. Yeah, when, I was, like when I was really ready to walk off the with set, that. Yeah. the producers <laughs> yeah. had to have a chat with me. I was in my trailer. It was, it was bad news. So, but, so I was the producer. I yeah, exactly. Yeah, was the producer. Uh, so here's, here's the thing from somebody who is a, a Gene fan of some amount of years. I like Gene because she's a technician without making that the point of her like if you need somebody to explain all this technical stuff about the psychic plane in a way that you can understand in a way that's actually instructive you're not going to go to xavier and you're not going to go to emma you're going to go to gene everybody uses it in their own way but the thing is gene is not walking around the way any of the men of the x-men would gene explaining the psychic plane every time it comes up from somebody gene is secure that she understands the way that it works even better than everybody else which is why it really twists her when somebody like emma has happens to be having a psychic affair with her husband behind her back because Jean knows how this stuff works. And so I just, Why I'm not looking- Why is she still with- <laughs> which, which Phoebe brings up unintentionally, but hilariously. And like, wow, the astral plane seems cool. It seems like a giant key party in your head and you just go into whoever's door who gave you the key, like Colleen Wing, I don't know, anybody. And, uh, and, and Jean is like, 
back off. So, mm-hmm. but the thing is, I'm not saying I want Jean to have feats all the time. I don't need her to be powerful. I just yeah. like when writers get the point that she very humbly is the best there is at what she does when this is what she does. And if mm-hmm. you put her in a position like this, she actually can explain it in a, in a really technical way. That's just part of who Jean is in my head. So when we got to this scene where she's explaining, I'm like, oh, this is my Jean. Like, this is it. This is the Jean that I'm always talking about. Like, I, I had that moment for the first time in a while. I also thought, I'm like, oh, this is maybe the Jean that Peter always talks about that I have not seen all this time. You know, because, is it no, you? I mean, yeah, is it you? Like, you know, I mean, it's, 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 abs- like, I, genuinely, I really like that, like, the whole hard mm. power, like, how hard power works and everything like that. But then it's like, it, it does that, but then it turns around and then shows her being upset about that comment about the, about the thing, which is justifiably yeah. so she should be upset. Then we like, oh, why are you still with that man then? Like, she, he did all of that to you. Why are you still with him? It's, honey, it's okay to let go of your teen love. Can we just all agree on that? Anyway, sorry. Whatever. Well, I mean, we need Jean. We need more Jean stories. And Jean's always here. I mean, yeah, we got a moment yeah. where she's with, you know, Cyclops for the gag of the records visor. But yeah, this, good. The, you know, Jean in X-Force is very much Jean as Jean. It's not mm. Jean with a romantic interest. It's not Jean who's, and now she's going to go to the X-Men team, you know, written by Jerry Dugan. Oh, and she seems like she's going to be a with, leader on that team. With, but with, with Cyclops. And it's just like, oh. I just think it's so much more interesting oh. when you, and that's not just for Jean. Like, I don't want to just be this person who's like, like, I'm not like a Jean, let's talk Jean fan Twitter. Like, that's not me. I feel this way about a lot of characters in X-Men. I don't necessarily want to see Rogue with Gambit. I don't necessarily want to, like, I think anytime you get these two characters that always play off each other the same way, I think it just makes it dull, especially when one of them is a woman who does not really get enough page time. But the thing is, like, a Rogue at least have X-Men legacy to... Yeah, at least Rogue got a lot of good development. Uh, yeah, that's so, so 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 let's dig in some. just a little bit deeper for a second. Jean gives this great explainer, except for Percy himself as the writer seems to have a slightly wavy slash muddy line between what's the astral plane and what's the dreamscape. Now Marvel definitely has a dreamscape. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, there's there's villains like Nightmare. There's heroes like Sleepwalker. It is a thing. Yep. But this explanation, I went through it a couple of times, and I really, I debate if Percy has it straight himself, or if he does, I don't think he got it onto the page. Tyler, you're a a, a connoisseur of many Marvel stories. Did this make sense to you, the difference between the astral plane and the dreamscape? I mean, that's the part which I kind of like, um, wait, what? When I, when I read it the first time, I was like, oh, wait, why, why is Jean teaching Quentin Quill how to get onto the astral plane? And then I realized that they were talking about the dreamscape, which is a completely different thing from um, the astral plane that I think Quentin Choir is kind of like uh, a little bit more um, comfortable with. And so this is the part which I, th- I thought um, he, tr- he tried to separate them but the distinction isn't that clear. Um, I don't mind that much, except that at one part of the conversation, Jean uses the word astral plane instead of dreamscape. Yeah. So it confuses the hell of the whole thing. So um, I don't know. I mean, I thought it was an interesting thing regarding um, what Faria has mentioned, the compartmentalized, uh, compartmentization of, of 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 the dreams and the thoughts and also how um it eventually narrowed down to um quentin quill 
not being as confident as he he puts you know a front out that he is really um, um, confident and in his ability but over here he shows a little bit of vulnerability harry you know it's it, i know what you mean peter that like this it feels like there should be a little bit more than there actually is but i think it's pretty serviceable and gets the job done in a lot of ways so uh, I just liked it. I think it looked, I think the dreamscape kind of like the way they draw and the way they play around. I think it's fun. I think that's when the art is at its best. Uh, yeah. I really enjoy how Gary Brown handled the paneling in the dreamscape. I think there's like two urges and, and one is to kind of just make it totally wibbly wobbly and have everything kind of mm-hmm. dissolving into everything else. And I think it's more interesting when you kind of play with perspective and shapes and the, like playing with, you know, who's opening the door and the, the door opens, but the panels turned upside down. Like, I think that's a little bit more interesting than just making everything. I mean, some people draw everything melting into everything spectacularly as Kassara does, but like, don't come onto that person's turf and then try to draw that way. Cause unless you're somebody else who's a master at that, like maybe Fliviano, like you're, you're just going to pale in comparison. So I kind of like that Gary Brown found his own way to do that. Yeah. And I did, I think those pages actually are pretty good because we weren't super tight on the Muppet faces in those mm-hmm. pages. Freya, what did you think uh, about this development of choir and the Jean's point, you know, stabbing deep at choir's heart here is like, you have a big, you put on a big front, but astral plane dreamscape, it's all about confidence. And the reason you're getting beaten is because behind, behind this big front, you're actually not all that confident in your self-belief. Right. And then the thing is like, one person who can actually say all of that is Jean Grey. Yeah. Like, you know, we, we have like, you know, read Phoenix Saga people. You're, you're going to find out why. Um, or if you have read it, you know, um, but the thing is like, I also love that the whole door thing, because this is not the first time, like, you know, she's for the first time I saw Jean using it, but there's two other people who uses it all the time is, uh, Cyclops and Wolverine. They're the two people who always have doors and thoughts and everything. And Cyclops actually said that Jean taught, like, you know, um, she taught him that in uh, Fractions Run. So this was like a whole callback to that. And I was like, oh, so that's what it means. I mean, he uses it to keep yeah. ladies in his head. Well, but- there's also there's also a, a conversation he has, uh, or not, not conversation. There was also, I think, a thought balloon by Emma that says that there is, there is always this door lock in your head yes. that I cannot yes. penetrate. Right. And yeah. Yeah. And then, so the thing is like, and the, but the thing is that that was just some dumb thought about Phoenix, I think. I mean, it was, it, it didn't pay <laughs> off. Anyway, so, but the thing is, Scott's thought, not import, yeah. important. But the thing is, I was super excited to see that concept being explained here and then see how it all came back and stuff. I'm like, ah, oh, so that's why I should read all the X Men. But yes. in, in some ways, I think, um, not, not really related to that like but you were ta- you were talking about how visually um this actually has a has a bit of a payoff i actually feel like um percy's strength is really not <laughs> sorry to say that like not um fully into like sequential art because i find his two data pages a little bit more fascinating than <laughs> than what is actually shown here um, he's, he's actually a prose writer, by the way. I know. And so a I, podcast scripter like, that people really yeah. enjoy. Yeah, yeah maybe, maybe, yeah, it's, really maybe his top skill is in comics. Maybe it is. I mean, we're not, you know, we're not here know. to beat up on yeah. creators. We can only Correct. judge what, what comes yeah. out on the page. But and, I really love those two data pages. And especially the, I mean, actually, actually both. And I really wish that the second part, the one that the that um, is um, the conversation among psychics, 
is actually part of it is shown instead of just in the data page. I think it would have been cool to do like a hybrid data page, like start it and have it bleed into a database and then bleed Mm. out of it. Like talk about things that people haven't done with the data pages, show a data page really like integrated into the art, the way that Hickman used in X-Men five with the children of the vault data page stuff Mm -hmm. being overlaid with art. Like that's cool. It feels a little bit like a cop out to just give us a data page. That's literally a script. I like when they're pros, the one about Colossus off painting wherever he's painting. Mm -hmm. That was beautiful. But to just, give us like a script it just feels like especially with this astral plane thing like get put a put a little something else on it make it feel like it's really like a part of this of this dreamscape that you're creating for us but you know to percy's and quentin's credit they do pull out something really interesting here which is that quentin went into the dreamscape not just to fight this evil mutated whatever quentin but to also get some sense of where he is because we all think bring things that are real to us into our dreams and the one thing he's found is an electricity socket and when he brings that to Sage, combined with the other things he noticed in the dream, Sage can pinpoint exactly where this is. That was mm-hmm. fun. Like when Harry says oh the book God. was solid, the things that I enjoyed about the book, I'm like, Harry, uh, Harry must be talking about this, right? Like, Harry, is that the kind of stuff Correct. that you liked? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's much better. Yeah, and it's visually inventive and it's just fun. Yeah. And mm-hmm. plus, wasn't and that, very that moment when he... Hopefully, and I didn't actually go back and check this, but but I hope that he actually, that was actually in the scene in the last issue. I hope. It is. So, yeah. No, it was in, it's in the scene fun. of this issue. It's but in I the scene to, of this issue. But I like hope that it's been buried somewhere else and it's not oh, just that person came okay. up with it, that we can like page back and see it in one of these flashes we've had. Because that to me is fun. That's the fun of these mm-hmm. long stories like Percy's trying to tell. So ultimately, as a result of bringing it to Sage, some big action happens. Quentin and Phoebe go into the astral slash dreamscape plane so that they could hunt this thing there. Jean goes on the mission with Domino, which I thought was kind of interesting because like Jean's like, yeah, yeah, let's go out in the field. Domino, who has confirmed here on panel, she is definitely missing some memories, which has been a mm-hmm. hot topic of conversation. While Sage mans the control booth only to have the possessed Black Tom attack her. So like all of a sudden, all of these balls that have been developed for quite a while here are thrown high into the air. And that is what brings us to our conclusion here, which happens to be that it seems like Quentin kills this version of him on the astral plane, because by the time Gene and Domino break that far into the complex, it is dead. Tyler, what did you think about this climax bringing together the themes of the last few issues here? I mean, the the payoff is definitely um, good in terms of like, um, if you read it as a trade and you read it continuously. So um, when... Is broken up into um, monthly issues like what we experience it. Um, I think Percy needs to reorientate certain things a little bit so as to make each chapter as captiva- uh, captivating as as it could be, as opposed to like, oh, this is so good. And then, oh, what is this? And then, oh, this is quite good. You know, it should be more or less um, even out so that you have like really good content in each issue instead of um, um, plotting it out as an arc and then making the art uh, the arc like super good um, I mean in, in that sense I think that's where I feel like some of um, in X-Force is a little bit less of that issue um, as, as compared to his other book which <laughs> is quite bad <laughs> when it comes to that um, yeah, but um, but you know, I think I think that is something which um, maybe some modern writers um, does not have a very um, 
does have have not yet developed that that particular uh, skills because they are not they don't really have to write it that way. I think in some ways, I mean the the thinking is is actually always in an arc um, um, way of thinking. So um, talk to Leah Williams. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and so, so, I, mean, I mean, for that matter, talk to Claremont. I mean, I'm in the middle of reading the late 20s of Claremont, not a period I enjoy especially much. Mm-hmm. But there's this one <laughs> one-shot issue, it's either 229 or 230, where Longshot suddenly is the focus character, and he he's using his psychometry power, and he's all the um, jewelry that the Reavers yes. have, have stolen is yeah. speaking to him. And for a second, I was like, what the flying heck is this Chris Claremont like I'm not here to read the story but it was a story that had its own rising and falling action it did pay off several threads that came before and it did open up several threads to happen after but the story itself felt really complete and I think when we talk about like Leah Williams in the glowing terms that we do it's because Leah Williams clearly has been writing one big arc with this siren stuff but we kind of go into each issue and come out of each issue very very satisfied and I think that that's like the feeling that everybody wants to have Hickman though I think in some ways has taken it too far right where his ex- yeah issues are in such a little ball such a little capsule that it kind of just feels like it's too together and i think that like because claremont wrote x-men for 16 years at first and then came back a couple of times too we're just all used to whether we started with the claremont or not we're used to these x-men comics that both feel satisfying on their own and link to things a little bit on either side of them and when people Mm -hmm. go too one-shotty or too arky it just starts to like violate expectations so i don't want to say like percy bad percy uncreative any of that stuff it's It's just just different he's he's really close to this thing that we all know in our in our bodies is what x-men comics do well but it just feels like it's like just not quite hitting as hard as it could hit freya you didn't necessarily come up with all that claremont stuff you're just reading with us but you know what we mean because you read a lot of comics that do that what is your feeling about this climax like did it pay off enough did this feel like it was um that it made the past issues better was this issue good on its own or is there something a little loose about that for you I mean, the thing is, like, if we are going to be comparing with Claremont stuff, this is much better than 136 and 137. <laughs> you know, that's what I thought. Like, you know, the, the payoff was, like, you know, and this is, like, three issues arc, right? Like, we start mm. with Quentin going shopping, then Quentin is, like, what is going on? And now Quentin solving a problem. So three issues are, I thought it was very well done, you know? And then I, I also liked that they all came together and then got it sorted. I would be pissed if this moved on to another issue because I'm like, okay, yeah, done. Let's, it's time to you now know. do another plot. We're good. Right. We're good. Like, you know, it's done. And then I also like that it was easy for him. It should be easy for him because he's an Omega mutant. Yeah. That's like, you know, that's like what, how he's dealing with things should not be the way how other mutants dealing with things. He, it should oh. be better because it's a mm-hmm. one Omega mutant helping another Omega mutant and then figuring it out. Yeah. So, yeah. I thought that, you know, it was it was done very well. I do want to say the one one quote that just made me I'm like, it's so cheesy, but I love it. It's like P comes before Q, but I'm uh, gonna go first. That's <laughs> that was, a good line. That was such a like I was like, I hate myself that I love this. It's cute. They're <laughs> cute. So they really are. Cute. Oh, yeah. I almost cried. 
<laughs> like, well, I mean, you know, on the topic of X Men yeah. books, kind of giving us what we didn't even think that we wanted. Was anybody demanding a Quentin Quire solo slash romance book at the beginning of this? No. Some no. people saw him on the cover no. of X Force number one, and they were like, "Really, more Quire? Like, yeah. aren't there better than <gasps> books on?" But guess people? what, man? I I'm if they were to cancel this book now and or end the book as it seems some X Men books might be ending in July mm-hmm. and August, and Quire didn't pop up somewhere else, even though we got a great journey with him here, I would be annoyed. Like to me, I want to keep yeah. reading Quentin Quire in this common context. You got me, and Percy. Isma. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. It's it's not just like um Quentin Quire silo, right? No. It's his relationship with like everyone, mm, which yeah. I thought was interesting. Like so it's the same way with like um young cable, right? It's not young cable is interesting. It's cables in um oh well, team cable, right? Table. table. <laughs> yeah. It's his relationship with everyone else, you know, that makes it like all the more compelling. Especially when, you know, there's this interplay between oh, you know, they know the older him and then and, and the kind of thing here. So I think for yeah. here, I, I want to see more of that. Um and also I think here um the other thing is that he he has only been interacting with Phoebe, which is someone of his age or mm-hmm. kind of cohort. Mm-hmm. I I mean I would like to see him like interact more with people from his cohort. Whether he thinks of them highly or not, because Wait, Wolverine you know, he, versus Wolverine and the X Men for all your <laughs> Quentin queries. Uh, <laughs> a little bit, yeah, yes. a little bit of that. But um, you know, yeah, I mean, they are his friends too, right? In some ways, so they should bring it back. Um, right. I I just want to add a little bit more about what I said earlier. I'm not I'm not saying that um, Percy did not um, layer things. He did, but um, some of them are so buried. Like the whole chronicler thing has been very, very buried. I mean, he surfaced again with the data pages. Um, um, I think this is like his third appearance in mm-hmm. in X Force so far. So, so it's there, and there's always this question of like, is Colossus a willing spy or an unwilling spy, or is he even a spy right now? Because it does seem like he is using his painting, knowingly or unknowingly. To mm-hmm. tell someone about what's happening in Krakoa. Hmm. I I have a feeling and that it's a that Russian really. mutant that has him under control. That's why because I, I, yeah, I, because Jean did go into his mind and tried to figure out if he's compromised, right? And the conclusion was like he's not, even though Beast is like really certain that you know <laughs> something something is going on. Hashtag so. Beast is right. Are we going that direction? Not in a million years. <laughs> hey, listen, man. When I it comes refuse. To the, when it comes to the, you know, the security of a country, you have to forget mm. friends. I mean, yeah. you know, it's just the way it is. The, you Fair know. Enough. But can, like, you know, I just want to say that the the stages like kick ass, like off Black Tom's face, gave me a lot of satisfaction. I didn't know she had it in her, but she did. All right, everybody, that has been our discussion of X-Force number 19 and Sword number 5. If you're hoping to hear us discuss Way of X, that is going to be in a separate episode because we had so much to say about it. We put it off on its own so it would have enough room to breathe. But before we wrap up here... Sometimes I just need to take a breath. It's one of my worst <laughs> habits as a, as a public speaker is I just don't breathe ever. Uh, but before we depart, there are other mutant things happening in the Marvel Universe and including the Women of Marvel one-shot this week, which does have some mutant stories in it. Tyler, anything else you want to highlight about mutants this week and last in the Marvel Universe? Um, not exactly mutant-related, 
but the vampire stuff is actually happening in an Avengers issue. What? Yeah, See, it is yeah. other places, Freya. Yeah. But Stay it's, there. Is I think it's also done better there, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, it has Blade um, and things like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, I thought... Why is he not uh, but no, no mutants, though. No, no mutants. Wolverine wasn't even mentioned, I think. And so, yeah. There are several mutant stories in that Women in Marvel one-shot, including a pretty mm-hmm. interesting and meaty uh, little mini-story about Marrow and Feral, but a couple of other kind of one-shot moments with some other characters as well. None of them necessarily critical to your read of The yeah. Age of Krakoa, but if you like some of those characters, it could be a fun departure. I also did get a chance to page through, though not fully read, uh, the new Valkyries comic, and Danny to my eyesight did not appear in that comic. It seems no. more focused on Jane Foster and the new Valkyrie mm. they uncovered in that yep. miniseries, so you don't need to pull it for now anyway as an x-men fan speaking of x-men fans though we are four big x-men fans and the reason we get together as fans rather than just have these experiences on our own is why furry hat x-men is better when it's about to come that's right. And I just got so much out of talking about Sword Number 5 and X-Force Number 19 with you. And oh boy, is there a lot to draw from our discussion of Way of X Number 1 when we talk about that together as well. So we want to thank you for being part of that and spending your time talking about X-Men together with us until we talk again next week. And we have two really interesting books coming up next week as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, another issue of Cable and another issue of New Mutants. So please... Oh. Come back for another This Week in X presented by Crushing Comics. And until we speak to you next time, on behalf of myself, Tyler, Harry, and Freya, we wish you well. Bye. Bye.